0: So, this morning we spoke on the second verse of Shikshastakam, and we heard how, after further extolling the glories of Krishna Nam and Nam Sankirtan, as he had begun to do, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the first verse. After doing that further in the second verse, for the first part of the verse, in, in the second part of that second verse, suddenly Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mood of exaltation and happiness, joy as to the glories of Namsand and Kirtan changed and he plummeted, plunged into an ocean of despair, realizing in the mood of a sadhaka, for our benefit, that he was very unfortunate, because although the Nam is was, nam was so gracious, he's so high, Krishna, I try to understand how gracious, he's so high, this is Krishna, Swami Bhagavan, and he's just wrapped. Lakshmi Sahasra Satasam uh, what kind of people he's associated with, Surrounded by Lakshmis, goddesses of fortune, everybody wants to have fortune. Bless them, and they would never leave that position. He's surrounded by thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of Lakshmis. Means gopis. More, they, each one of them is more, more beautiful, more charming, had more power to bless than Lakshmi herself. What we'll to speak of Gokul Taruni Radhe. This same Krishna, the supreme enjoyer, this is the idea, and lost there in love with the Brajbasis, has become a sweeper in the form of his name, entering into the heart of the sadhaka. I like a, what do they call it, a bungie, street sweeper. It's a caste in India. Their, their, their job is to do the street cleaning. He comes in the heart as a sweeper. Mahabhu was just reflecting on this and he plunged into an ocean of despair that I have no appreciation for, for this. This is the fact. This is what's taking place and I have no appreciation. Krishna has come in this merciful way in many names as there are desires of Jeevas, making himself available in, to them in any condition, even if they're sleeping, he, they can take advantage of him. He cleanses the heart. He gives liberation. These are the the end results of other paths like Nishkam Karma Yoga, Jnana. They end in liberation. This is just the beginning of what Krishna Nam, Nam Sankirtan gives. And beyond that, it gives Ruchi. positive attachment to the other side, bhava, uh, anandam buddhivardhanam, all these things, prem, and the highest prem. Of course, all these things are still to unfold in the explanation of shikshastakam, but he's mentioned them in the first verse. And then, as I say, extending that trumpeting of the glories of namsan kirtan in the second verse. So we are encouraged by that. So much we faith is created and we want to get involved. But Now, suddenly realizing Oh, what my good fortune is, and to the extent that I'm not taking advantage of that, I have no taste, no real attraction. If I have no attraction for Nama, I must be attracted to other things, in spite of this wonderful opportunity. So, as an honest sadhaka, he's plunged into an ocean of despair, and some humility rises up in him. And as I mentioned, as we concluded, that kind of humility, this is humility that comes from the mind, just thinking about it. Gosh, I should, I should take advantage of this. I can't, there are things in my way from my past, offenses and arthas and so forth, have to be overcome and it's unbecoming. My position is unbecoming in general, what to speak of the fact that NAM has come to me as well. So, Natural kind of uh, humility, but this is more of a of a humility that comes from the mind. It's not as a result of spiritual attainment per se. Mahaprabhu ends that verse in this spirit, that second verse. And as I've said, if we humble ourselves in spite of our bad qualities, then Krishna Nam will stay with us, the Vaishnavas will stay with us, and, and always give us support. So this is our only hope. And as Mahābhābhu then goes into the third verse, of course, he underscores this humility. And from speaking about his own dūdaivam, his own misfortune, his own misbehavior, because his misfortune is, what, anarthas, other values he he has, attachments, offenses in his background, this is all misbehavior. From speaking about his misbehavior, in the third verse he speaks about proper behavior. The third verse is about eligibility, but a further sense of eligibility than the initial eligibility that is Shraddha, awakened as it is by devotees, in this case Mahaprabhu himself, speaking about the glories of the name. We hear about that, we think, I want to take advantage of that. Let me come within the fold of Mahabrabusan Kirtan. So initial adikar or uh, eligibility comes from a faith, but now this third verse speaks about a kind of chanting that is not intermittent, that we pick it up and we put it down, but it's constant. Kirtaniya Sadahari. He ends the third verse with this line. Constantly chanting the holy name. So it, he's speaking about a stage where the our practice is not anishta, not interrupted by anarthas, by inattention, by offenses to the name. It's not interrupted by that. This is a stage that speaks of some spiritual attainment. And we call it nishta. Nishta means fixed, Hmm? steady. It's uh, often rendered uh, steady faith, firm faith. So it's also about faith, but uh, as all of these stages are a deepening of faith, but this in particular, nishta, firm faith, from komal shraddha. Komal means tender faith to very strong faith. This is uh, bringing together one's reasoning and one's heart, applying one's intelligence in relation to what's dawning in one's heart, and strengthening it and so because it's about firm faith it's again about eligibility while initial eligibility is faith there's a f- we take another deeper look at eligibility so yes you just have to have faith but if you want to proceed to the goal if you have faith you can get on on board you can receive the name with the blessings of Nityananda Puru and Guru Parampara but if you want to go the distance then Mahaprabhu says this is the kind of behavior that you should pursue this should be your ideal now again it's about he's speaking about realization here so when he says Trinada Pi Sunichini, this is his first statement about what kind of behavior you should have as he say, you should be more humble than a blade of grass and so we're bewildered by this how can I be more humble than a blade of grass And appropriately so. Because really, as we'll see, this kind of humility, the kind of tolerance that Mahaprabhu speaks of, the kind of pridelessness, and the extent to which one is expected to to show honor to others, that enables one to chant the Holy Name constantly without interruption, so so forth. This humility, this tolerance, this is coming from the soul itself. This is coming from spiritual realization. So, understandably, we'll wonder how I can do that. It requires spiritual advancement from some mental humility and continuing with uh, hearing and chanting, in spite of my condition, never giving up the chanting, and cultivating humility. Seeing that ideal that Mahaprabhu gives in this third verse, as the ideal, you cannot do, but it's an ideal. There's a famous saying in Bengal, Oh, I heard about the prema-dharma of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so I thought, yes, I'll become a Godi Vaishnava. Such a nice thing, such a high thing. So many other ideals, spiritual ideals are talked about, but they pale in comparison to this. It makes liberation look like a small thing. So yes, the sun is very charming also. So I wanted that. I thought, yes, I will become a follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But then I heard the third verse of Mahaprabhu Shikshastakam. And I thought, oh, it's impossible to be more humble than a blade of grass, more tolerant than a tree. So we shouldn't not, not be discouraged like that. But humbly, we should try to understand the significance of this verse. It is the most important thing that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has said. Of the things that he said... There are about nine verses attributed to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and ten verses attributed to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself in the writings of the Goswamis. That's not a lot. These are uh, either written, written or spoken directly by him. Mahaprabhu is an Acharya, he's Krishna in his Acharya Leela, but he didn't write extensive commentaries. And this is his commentary, these eight verses of Shikshastakam and two other verses that he spoke. One verse relevant to our discussion this morning about how in the second verse of Shikshastakam, Mahaprabhu has shown the Vedanta, the logic and the scriptural support to his thesis that nam and kirtan is everything so all you need to, because it sounds good but you might think well it's, but is it what what's the evidence for that that all these things are true that Nam does such so mabu was shown that Vedanta in his second verse he's shown that there's good reason for his the position that he's taken on this and therefore if we understand the implications of that what's been said then that much more enthusiasm we have not just the sentiment but we should pursue this bhakti based on Vedanta. Vedanta means conclusive knowledge. So, in a sense, these eight verses of Shikshastakam are his commentary on Vedanta. As much as every Acharya is supposed to have a commentary on Vedanta, in one sense Mahaprabhu did, of course, because he he told us that Shimon Bhagavatam is a natural commentary on Vedanta. We don't need to add anything. It's, It's all there in Bhagavatam. We talked a little bit about Vedanta this morning, and it's, of course, it's, it's quite so that Bhagavatam is a natural commentary on Vedanta. We, we heard, what does Vedanta Sutra begin with? janma it tells us that Brahman is the source of the world. And then we discuss what the world's about. It's all about pursuing some taste. Therefore, when uh, Taitara Upanishad says, raso-bhaisa, Brahman is rasa, there's no contradiction here. It's a further development of the idea. Of what Brahman is, the source of the world, the source of rasa. And we talked about how by Krishnanam, this one sound in you know, all the Vedas, one can understand that aspect of Brahman. Bhagavatam begins with the same statement mm-hmm. Janmadhyasataha, same statement as Vedanta Sutra. And it ends in the same way. How does Vedanta Sutra end? I, can't include, I couldn't quote the exact Sanskrit. But do you know the English? about sound it says that on account of sound because of sound going there one never returns because of sound going there will never return so different ways to interpret that but a dynamic way in light of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's darshan means system of Vedanta by that sound Krishna there's no sound that's more profound and points more to, and to a greater extent, reveals the nature of, of Brahman by that sound. It generally means going there. One never returns because the sounds say so. It means because the, the scriptures say so. Revelation says so. But no word in all revelation says it more than Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam begins same way. Jnana dasi taha. How does it end? Same thing with emphasis on sankirtan. The last verse of Srimad Bhagavatam says hmm, something. It says, I don't know the Sanskrit either. Don't feel bad. Forget it. It says one should, uh, by performance of nam sankirtan, then all papa pranashanam will be desto- all evil will be destroyed. One will be delivered. This is the final verse. Shri likes to say, and Srimad Bhagavatam, that great thesis, it comes to rest with this, uttering uh, dunamsan kirtan, dunamsan kirtan. So practically it is a, in, in so many ways. It's just a small example. And, sh- and Shastra Grudaparana supports this. It tells us that Shrimad Bhagavatam um, is a commentary on Vedanta Sutra. So Mahabrabhu left it aside, the necessity of a commentary. But inadvertently, speaking his Shikshastakam, these eight prayers, he's given a commentary on it. Two other things he said, relevant, as I say, to the discussion we had this morning, and we're extending it to some extent now about Vedanta. Mahaprabhu said, in the words of Jiva Goswami in, in Bhakti Sandarbha, Shrutam api Upanishadam nude harikatamritat, Yachan shanti dravachita kampashupulakaya. There is the nice statement. He said, This has come from Bhagawan himself, Mahaprabhu, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Kali Yuga Avatar. That you cannot get the same thing. You cannot get Kampashu Pulakadaya. You cannot get these ecstatic transformations that the Krishna Leela is all about. World of ecstasy. Every movement, every song, a dance, every. Step uh, or every every step a dance, every word, a song, this kind of thing you cannot get that understanding of Brahman from the uh, statements of the Upanishads soham. he said dure hari katamita. this these things are very far from harikata by which you can get all this these things so again, as we were saying this morning, this harikata, this Krishna nam that will acquaint us with the Brahman in a unique way, that no other sound can do. He said that in his eight st- stanzas, of course, and then one other verse. What is that? Naham pro na ca narupati na apivaiso na sudro. vāni na cha griha patino vanasto yati vā. Kintu nikila prodham akila... Nikila... Punam brithabhde. Punam brithabhde. Gopibhātu padakamalayo dasa dāstā. In Puri. So a few words of Mahaburu, but see how meaningful they are, how how profound. In this eight verse of Shikshasakam, this is like his, his, this is his Vedanta, this is the Chaitanya Darshan. So <coughs> Trinada Pisuni Chenatorora Pisah Namani Namanadena. Sadahari. We should not shy away from this, like that Bengali fellow who said, Oh, I knew it was impossible. No, it's possible to come to this kind of, this standard of humility, this standard of tolerance. This is the soul coming out. You cannot do that artificially. When Mahaprabhu spoke this verse, as I said, of all of the things he said, of all of the written, composed verses, let us say, this one is most important. There is no statement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that is spoken of more, that is uh, emphasized more, by his followers than this verse, so we should learn it very well, and it should be in the least the ideal standard of behavior for uh, his followers, by which, behaving in that way, and chanting Krishna naam one can get prame. After uttering this verse, this is what Mahaprabhu told Ramana Roy and, and Surabhamadhar. This let me tell te- before it he said let me tell you about the way in which chanting you will get praying previously said I have was misbehaved I have no attachment no raga raga means prem pava, love now let me tell you about the way that you can get that by chanting and this is the way by adopting this disposition this uh, type of behavior fourfold. So we should learn this verse well. Mahaprabhu spoke it two other times in Chaitanya Charitamrita. At the end, of course, when he's speaking it to Ramananda Roy and Surup Damodar, in the context of explaining the entirety of his eight verses, but previously he spoke it as well. He spoke it to who? Who did he speak it to? Raghunathās Gosāmi, now, who Das is Raghunathās Raghunathās Goswāmī is considered to be the prayojan tattva, a charger of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He who exemplified and in whose writings we find the emphasis on the prayujan. What is prayojan? Prem. prem prayojan. Prem is the prayujan. Prayojan means the goal, the fruit, the result of our practice, our sadhya, our end. Is our end Krishna? No, it's prema, Krishna prema, love of Krishna, and that's Krishna. <laughs> that's to be understood, love of Krishna, that's that's Krishna. you understand? Love of Krishna is Krishna in the real sense. Without love of Krishna <laughs> there is no Krishna. Hmm? That love comes from the devotees' hearts, and and, and Bhagwan reciprocates accordingly. He becomes naked before them and helpless. Do with me as you like. I become your friend if you like. Become your lover. Become your son. This is Krishna. Raghunadas Goswami, Prayojan Tatvacharja Mahaprabhu spoke this verse to him. See how it is connected with the Prayojan. We're not talking about praying here. When we talk about humility and tolerance and constant chanting what we are in another sense, because without this, there is no praying. no possibility. This is why Bhakti Siddhartha Thakur would emphasize this so much. Let them come to Nishtha, then we'll talk about praying. Is that not practical? you want to talk about praying but meanwhile you are, have so many other preoccupations and interests, and, and in your spare time you talk about praying and high things and so forth. And then somebody's emphasizing Nishtha, and you say, well, why, 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 why do you emphasize all that stuff? Let's talk about the higher things. No, oh, there's good reason for it. Mahabhu spoke at to t- Das Goswami. What was the context? Das had left home. He was from a wealthy family, and his parents very much wanted him to stay at home, and they made all kinds of arrangements to surround him with material facility that he, would not get, uh, that he might not get uh, the uh, idea to run off with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as he had already shown some inclination to do. But there was nothing that they could do to stop Raghunathās Gosāmi. Mahaprabhu had told him, don't be crazy, he said, when he first told him that he wanted to run off with him. Don't be crazy. Take it easy. Go home. Wait for the time. Krishna will make an opening for you. Then you can go. So that's how he lived at home, waiting for that opening, waiting for that opening. As soon as he saw, he went through that and through the back roads he went, not roads, through the jungle he went, walking, barefoot, through the cow pasture, sleeping in a cow barn, sometimes finding something to eat, sometimes not twelve days it took him to arrive in Puri, where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was doing his Sankirtan with his devotees. And his father went and with ten men on the road to find him. And they could not find him. They came back and Mother said, He's gone to gone the back road to Puri, go and get him and bring him back and handcuff him. What did his father say? He has broken a bond that is greater than any material handcuffs, attachment to family and the world, and he's given this up. There's no way to contain him. No way to contain him. He's running after Prem now. So he stayed in Puri, and Mahaprabhu put him under the care of Surup Damodar, we know who Svarūpa Dhammadar is, we talked about him this morning, personal secretary of Mahāprabhu, and very capable of helping Mahāprabhu to to understand and experience and taste that prem of bhava Vradha that he came to experience, as was Ramananda Roy, who he's now in speaking about Shikshastakam in the company of. So under the care of Svarūpa Das uh, Goswami asked that, that if Mahaprabhu could say something to him personally, give him some personal instruction. He made his desire known to Sarupamadar Damodar Govinda. And so Damodar told Mahaprabhu, he wants to hear something directly from you, this Ragunathas. Mahaprabhu said, I tell him I've already put him under you and you know more than me. So what more does he want? He knows more than me but was a student of Sarup Damodar and Ramananda Roy. They are Lalita and Vishaka Gopi. They have that bhava, preem, for Radha. They are Radha Dasyam. They are servants of Radha. He wants to taste what Radha is about, so they do know more than him. In another sense, in a lower sense, it may very well be that guru may say listen to him that would be better for you than listening to me because i'll have to be a little nice to you and 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 he won't spare you hmm? <laughs> and you don't and you need that kind of hear that kind of thing we shouldn't think i can only hear from my guru not any of his uh, his uh, representatives this is just kanishtdikari mentality <coughs> like the Kanishadakar thinks, I don't need to hear from the Vaishnava, I just offer my prayer to Krishna. No. Anyway, he told, uh, all right, so finally, there was a couple of times, I think he requested, and finally Mahaprabhu said, look, here's the thing, he knows more than me. So, you're in good hands, I've put you under his care. But, if you really want something, I'll give you a couple things. I'll say a couple things to you. Some instruction. So what did he tell? Mahaprabhu tell <clears throat> Raghunathās Goswami. These are the things he told them. Did he tell them about Radha and Krishna's rendezvous? Come here, I'll tell you a secret. All the rendezvous, what is, what, what is the significance of all this high leela? And he said, no. Hey, i tell you something. Something important you want directly from me. Here's what I say to you. Don't eat palatable foods. It means don't just chase after the tongue. You can only eat palatable foods if you offer palatable foods to Krishna. It's a good idea, but even that only as much as you can digest. He told, "Don't eat palatable foods. Don't be a servant of your tongue." And he said, "And don't uh, don't wear fancy clothes. Don't be just uh, manipulated by the, the, the fashion industry." He told him. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said. Uh, don't listen to gossip. That means not just what ordinary people are gossiping about, but what the devotees are gossiping about. What do we call that gossip? Prajalpo. This is detrimental. Oh, he said, she said, did you hear, and why, and all this gossip. Don't listen to that, he said, and don't speak it. This is the kind of advice he gets. this is coming directly from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the Prayojan Tattva Charja. We we should take take heed of these instructions. This is important for us if we want preem And we want to follow the Prayojan Tattva Charja. Directly Mahaprabhu spoke these things. Do we want to hear something else? What is my Saroop and what well, what will I do in Krishna Leela, all these things and why aren't you telling me about those things? Always you're just talking, don't we don't wear fancy clothes, don't eat fancy food. There's more to tell, Mahaprabhu said. Don't eat fancy foods. Don't wear fancy clothes. Don't talk gossip. Don't listen to gossip. Always chant Krishna nam, and within in your mind, always serve Radha and Krishna and Vrindavan. And these are my instructions to you. And Sruv will give you the more de- fill in the details. So there are more things to be said. But Mahaprabhu gave this initial installment and that the idea is embrace this, then Saruk will be inclined to tell you more specifics, details. This is what he told him. And then after saying that, what did Mahaprabhu say? He said one other thing as if to say let me put it to you in a nutshell. These are my teachings. He said Trinadapi Sunichena this verse. Tarodapi sahishtana, Amanina Manadena Kitanya Sadahari the verse we're discussing, the third verse of Shikshastakam. He said it to the to the Prayujan Tattva We have to have an ear for this. To be humble, he said, keep yourself humble like a blade of grass, tolerant like a tree. Expect no honor for yourself. Give all honor to others. In this way, you can constantly chant the holy name. We have to have an ear for this. Another place it was spoken in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Mahaprabhu told to maybe Suklambar. And after he spoke it, Krishna Kaviraj Goswami says, Listen to this verse, everybody. Hearken! He said, listen what Mahaprabhu was said. This instruction. He said, take this verse and string it on a garland of, of the holy name and wear it around your neck and chant. This way you will get praying. So this verse has been singled out of all the things that Mabra was said. No verse has been given more emphasis than this so we should pay close attention to it. Was playing was paying close attention. That's another point. He was paying close attention. That's how this verse could come. He heard the grass say, that's paying attention. Why aren't you humble like us? The blade of grass broke up. Why aren't you humble like me? Just see. You walk on me, I bend over. He looked at the tree, and the tree spoke to him. The environment this this verse is about bringing the world to life now we like dead people we have a little life our shraddha and to the extent that we practice and get something from that we're alive but we're kind of like kind of like on a life support system we're like hearts beating and now it's off hearts beating and we're in critical condition <laughs> hmm? Sometime we're taking it, sometime we're leaving it. Sometime, will he make it? Will he, will he, he's, like I said earlier, he's on the platform. Will he ever get on the train? Yes. If he stays humble, tries to be humble, best he can, and keeps good association and so forth, yes. I don't want to discourage anyone. But there is a train to get on, fast train to pray hmm and that's what this verse is about. As I said, it brings the world to life because it's the junction between a religious orientation, a Kaniṣṭhādhikāri orientation, and an experiential spiritual orientation to the tradition, and a madhyamadikari orientation. It brings the world to life. So Mahāprabhu, appropriately, he, he's speaking in this way, he's saying, for all intents and purposes, that, the tree spoke to me like this. The envi- he's brought the environment alive. The soul is coming out now in this nishtha. Coming out from underneath the mind. It's the mind that's distracting us in so many uh, directions because of the condition of our heart. But by consistent sadhana, consistent practice, with the humble state of mind, it becomes it be- as it becomes steady, then the soul starts to come out. This is the idea. This is Nishtha. What brings the world to life. You see things very differently. So the tree spoke to him. In other words, he could read the environment. All the environment is is it's all the world is backed by Krishna. Nothing moves without the will of Krishna. So it's a question of angle of vision. Bhagavatam is a nice verse I like to quote of Bhagavatam. Ayurharati vai pum it means the sun is rising and setting every morning. And the Bhagavatam is telling us what the sun is saying by doing that. The sun is saying, Look at me. Can you miss me? Is there anything more prominent in the, in the whole of your day than me? Look. But we're ignoring. The sun is saying, I'm taking away your life. Every time he sets. I'm taking away your life. You're that much closer to the, your sense of person and and, and, and identity being taken away. Are your Your life is is being stolen by time in such a big way. There's nothing more prominent than the sun, and going across the whole sky. It's blue, and then the contrast of the yellow. See how you're supposed to like notice that? Hmm, what is that? <laughs> What does that mean? Sit down and think, what is the world saying? So people are doing this, obviously, on different levels, and some people aren't doing that at all. And they're drawing some meaning. What is the sun? And they're thinking about it from an astronomical point of view and how it affects us, and, and so on and so forth. Mahabhu? Hmm? Bhagavatam? These are seers, also. Author of Bhagavatam, Bhyas. These are also these, these such persons are seers. A Vedantist. The standard of the Vedantist is that he or she speaks according to experience. If you really study the Vedanta, you'll understand that the Vedantist's criterion is experience. Everything he or she is saying is based on experience. So this is the kind of experience. When they saw the sun, when the saw the sun, he wrote this verse, "Ayurhati vai Vaipumsang. It's so simple when you hear, well, yeah, but who thought of it? That's true genius. I mean, everybody saw apples fall from trees, but nobody thought, hmm, like Newton, right? <laughs> what does the meaning of that? So on a deeper level still, this Bhagavatam is speaking about the world. I said before, what is, what is life? Life is about death. Isn't it? You just said this is the most wonderful thing. Everyone's dying and everybody acts like they're not. This is incredible. Vishnu Maya. Understanding life, leading a successful life, means understanding death. It means really transcending death. Doing away with the problem of death, the sense that my existence is being threatened. To do away with that, that means for a successful life. This is what Bhagavatam is about. This is what life is about. Bhagavatam is about life. How does Bhagavatam begin? Parikshit Maharaj is going to die in seven days. So he wants to do something about it. That's what Bhagavatam is about. And what does is, what is Bhagavat culminate in? What does Srimad Bhagavatam culminate in? Who can say? What is the zenith, the high point of Srimad Bhagavatam? Krishna-lila and Rasa-lila. Within Krishna-lila, Rasa-lila. What is Rasa-lila? Gopis are dying. It's where they're doing something worse than death. In other words, they're giving up society, family. Bhagavatam is teaching life is about the death and how to solve it. This is Pritchard's question, how to solve the problem of death, what to do at the time of death. What now? (laughs) And it's a big question. What now? So many things were important. What to do, what to do. What now? It's all being taken away. What do I do now? What do I grab onto now? There's nothing to grab onto. I'm going. <laughs> I used to grab onto things and they would disappear and I'd just grab onto something else. Rather than learn, everything's disappearing. Now the lesson's coming. You too! You're disappearing! <laughs> now what? You were grabbing onto things, they were disappearing, you didn't learn. Now you're disappearing. What do we grab onto? What to do now? This is the question. And the answer is coming in the height of Srimad Bhagavatam. Die now. Die to live. Die to material attachments that makes death a problem. Die to grabbing on to things that won't stay, that are disappearing. Give a death to that. That's what gopis did. <laughs> There's no praying without ego Death. As much as they're meeting with Krishna in the dead of the night and down dancing with him and all the intricacies of rasa and a different type of taste and different type of gopis and you know, What's the platform of it? Don't miss this point. It's right there in the, in the lila. Death. Ego death. Do you know what it meant for those girls? To leave in the middle of the night to the sound of the flute of Krishna? And husbands and family members, children, milk boiling over on the stove, the reputation of the whole village at stake. They left it all. They died right there. They took birth in, in, in rasa with Krishna. Don't miss this point. This turned out a piece of peace each end, and This is about the ego death, obviously. How humble you will have to become. We are used to asserting ourselves to get somewhere in life. And we have to learn just just the opposite. To progress spiritually, we have to go in an opposite way. We're used to getting ahead by stepping on other people's heads. Instead, you have to have your head stepped on. See, life is a mystery, so it's not logical, it's mystical. What would appear to be the way to proceed is just the opposite of how you should proceed. By humility, by selflessness, By giving, one gains. That's a mystery. By giving, one We think if we don't go and get, well, that's fine, but who's going to feed me? The message of Bhagavatam is figure this out. Try it out. Try it now, because who is going to feed you? Who is feeding you? Who's going to continue? How is this life going to be maintained? It's not. (laughs) Figure it out you got to find another solution. And Bhagavatam is there to give the answer. And where is the answer coming from? As I say, it's coming from experience. That's what it's written on. It's a way of looking at the world and hearing it speak to me. The world is backed by the will of God, so it's not independent. Sometimes we depict Maya as independent, not independent, but as the, as the bad cop. <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I give you the good cop and Maya's the bad cop, or the something like that. Punishing, yes, but teaching. If we look closely, then what? We have nothing. To, we, we we will appreciate. Oh, this is what you're saying. The only reason the mother nature, Durga is kicking us is because how we're treating her. She's moving according to the will of Krishna. She belongs to Krishna. We're looking at material things manifestation of this as if it should serve my sense of self born in my mind that takes the life out of that because it, its life lies in its relation to Krishna so if you take the life out of that this is what, how the mind makes the world dead and this is why we say coming beyond the mind which is what spiritual practice is about consistent spiritual practice quiet the mind stop that Muzak just <laughs> stop it and have a life of your own. And what kind of life? In that life, the whole world becomes alive. And you can get these kind of messages from the sun, from the trees, from the grass. You see? Krishna comes to us in the form of the Guru to make this point, speak loudly to us and if we if we listen if we pay attention this is the whole idea mahaprabhu paid attention nishtha is about paying attention nastaprayeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya you have to pay attention listen carefully attend to the instructions of Śrī guru very carefully it's not that the world only spoke to mahaprabhu he was listening that's all we're not listening by his listening this environment came alive to him and, and told, why aren't you tolerant like me, the grass? Why aren't you, uh, or humble, why aren't you tolerant like the tree? This is a realization. This stage is about, it's is really some, some, some positive attainment in as much as it's, it's cutting off the past, the background, cutting the chains, cutting the anchor that is tying me to, keeping me at the dock, and I, I'm rowing the boat, and I'm wondering why I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> It's hard to row this. Huh? I, I go so far and then it just seems to stop there. Then I just give up rowing and it drifts in a little bit and I row. Hey, it looks like I'm getting somewhere. And it, and it stops there again. <laughs> there's a rope on there. There's a chain on there. So when it gets hard to row, instead of giving it up and then floating inland a little bit, mm-hmm, Becoming, you know, more implicated in material life, and then thinking, ah, "I got to row again." Go to the temple, and feeling enthusiastic. I heard Maharaj talk. Wow, that's great! And then I go home and I row. And then after a little while, I said, "Not getting anywhere." Put down the oars again. No, when it gets harder to row, then you have to row harder. <laughs> <laughs> row, and you have to know. Here I'm, I'm pulling on that rope. I'm trying to break break that that chain. And yeah, I may have to give in. You have to work with the mind. Don't work against your mind. Be intelligent. Use your intelligence. This is nishta also. Proper discrimination. Use your intelligence. Work with the mind. Don't just think, I'll take it on. Head on. You're not capable. <laughs> it's far, far too powerful. So it has certain proclivities, certain inclinations, and so we find ways with good help and guidance how to move with the mind, in the context of controlling it, capturing it. And you have to speak up, talk to your guru, ask questions. And my mind is pulling me like this. You can give me somebody how to work with that. And after a while you become a little intelligent, you see how it works. And you, OK, so I, I, you know, it's enough of this, but i go over on this side and, and, and control it from this side. Find anything I like about Krishna consciousness and, and do that. So many ways. You have to learn to work with the mind to conquer the mind. Don't just go head-on against it. But know that this, to enter the door, so to speak, of the house of bhakti in, in the land of the soul itself, then this verse of Mahabrabhu stands as our ideal. In the house of bhakti, the doorway, over the doorway hangs a sign. It says, kītaniya sadāhari this is what goes on in here kītaniya sadāhari this is outside of Śrīvāsaṅgā kītaniya sadāhari always chanting in the doormat you look down what does it say? sunicena humble be humble like a blade of grass you tread on that doormat to enter into that doorway kītaniya sadāhari to this important verse it's about from anishtabha-jana-kriya, unsteady practice, passing through Anartha getting, overcoming the anarthas, arriving at anishtabha-jana-kriya, practice that's uninterrupted, that's steady. This is a very high thing, so therefore this verse, understandably, may, may frighten us to some extent. We may th- be perplexed. How will I wear that around my neck? You have to, as I say, keep it as an ideal, be as humble as you can, and keep it as an ideal. But it really is about a kind of humility and tolerance that don't come from the mind, but they come from the soul itself. As the soul comes out and sees itself in relation to the infinite, the finite soul sees itself. How does it feel? How does it feel to be finite? That should have been in one of... Bob Dylan's song. How does it feel to be finite? (laughs) But no, you're not on your own. That's the good news. It feels good (laughs) to know that you're actually finite, but you're not on your own. You're not alone. No. Coming in touch with, with the infinite, then we can know what it means to be finite. So a natural kind of humility comes from that. This is humility that comes from proper deliberation and discrimination. Mishta comes from regularly hearing the Bhagavatam. But as I've said, regularly hearing the Bhagavatam, it doesn't mean just collecting information, verses and points, and then quickly spouting them out. And Gurdiv is speaking, and and then the verse comes to our mind. We want to say it so that everybody knows I know that verse. I also know that verse. You see? You didn't know it. This is not what Nishtha is about. No. Study the Bhagavatam. It gives a good bashing to the intellect. Bhagavatam teaches us how to use our head. How should we use our head? If you bow our head, use your head to soften your heart. This is the message of Bhagavatam. Not that you use your head to get, get become proud and hearted in your heart. No. This, uh, this verse of, Mahab- of, uh, of Bhagavata Mahaprabhu likes so much, Manteva. When he heard from Ramananda Roy. This again, some entry level. Mahaprabhu was hearing from Ramananda Roy. What's the best thing? What's the best thing? And so many things he recommended. No, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. When he said this verse, this verse means spoken by Brahma. Who's Brahma? Chatumuk Brahma. Four headed Brahma. Four heads means he's a big thinker. He's got a really big brain, very intelligent. Got four brains, it means he, he sees in all directions. He thinks of things from all four directions. Very well considered person, Brahma. When he saw the uh, Brahma, the, the leela of Krishna, steal, when he stole, the calves and cowards of Krishna, he saw who Krishna was. Oh, he bowed his foreheads. He spoke this verse, he said, oh, people may think they know something about you, but mm-hmm, even if they could roll up the sky like their bed bedroll, mm-hmm, <laughs> they would never know you. And then he said this, he said, uh, simply by in, intellectual exercise, you can never be known. Mm-hmm, but by humbly hearing from proper authorities, then it becomes possible to conquer you mm-hmm, entirely. So, jnanshu shunya bhakti, this is the message of Bhagavatam. This, should, this is This is the kind of um, way in which the Bhagavatam addresses our intellect. So to fully apply our intellect in the exercise of studying Bhagavatam is to arrive at the understanding of how incapable it is of an instrument, how utterly uh, um, futile it is to think that by intellect alone... Now, intellect, what nishti is, then is divine intellect. Intellect spiritualized by coming under the really under the jurisdiction of Shastra means now I had a budding faith and now my faith I've used my intellect to study the scripture and or to hear from the Bhagwat person the devotee and serve him or her faithfully so from that I've learned so many things so many practical things I've turned my soft faith now into firm faith well-reasoned faith not blind faith but well-reasoned faith I see the example of my Gurudeva. Think, so it's well-reasoned to have this faith. Something worth attainable. I see it embodied there. and I see how the scriptures have explained it and supported it and so forth. You know, we talked about Vedanta earlier. Good logic and reasoning for this. This is about making our faith strong. And the and the example of this real uh, attaining uh, wisdom is that it expresses itself. How? As Humility. Who really has something can show humility. So there's something to be had in Nishta. This is Bhava Mahadvagani. In the first verse of Chikshastika, Mahaprabhu said, Chetwadarpana marjanam this nam sankirtan cleanses the heart. So this takes us from the from Vajana Kriya, the practice, through anartana And Nishta. Baba Mahādavagani. So this is the second thing that comes from Namsam Kirtan. Baba Mahādavagani. One is becomes, for all intents and purposes, practically liberated. This is nishta. So you cannot imitate that. And the hum- humility that comes from that, as I say, this humility comes from the soul, but it should be the ideal. It means that in nishta, at this stage, nāsta Prayeshu, Abhadreshu practically all inauspicious things, rajaguna, tamaguna influences, they no longer have any, any grip on you. Sattva gives a clear vision of what's the, what's the ideal and impetus with, based on that clear vision to pursue it. This means, at this stage, the fire of sangsara, Baba mahadavagani Mahaprabhu said, this mahadavagani is a great conflagration, like a forest fire, material existence. And we have forest fires here in California. What do you do? You just kinda of back off at some point. Every firefighter knows what it means to pray for rain. <laughs> and they all pray for rain. They pray that, that that nature started this, nature can stop this. Don't blow the wind today. Don't blow on us today. Rain. Give us rain. At a certain point they just they do what they can and they stand back at a distance. Help from outside has to come. This is this Namsan Kirtan that comes to give help. Hmm? And in the second installment of what San Kirtan comes to give, this mahadavagani that is extinguished, bhava-mahadavagani nirvapanam, that existence that is that is like a fire of desire. Hmm? You see, desire is like a fire. It's just keeping us moving. It's like fire is fueling, our life is fueled by the fire of desire, and we're moving here and there and busy and so many things. All b- when this desire is extinguished, then we can know about another kind of life, a peaceful kind of life. We are always somewhat agitated. Something I'm listening to Mars, but thinking sometimes I should be over there. I got this to do, and if the cell phone rings, immediately I cell phone. I've got a good reason not to listen. <laughs> I'll be there. This is this is the fire of desire. Mahaprabhu call it like a forest fire. We're con- consumed by that. But Namsan Kirtan, they will end that. That means the fire goes out. Some smoke remains. Some smoke remains. Oh, it's not fully liberated. But Rajagun, Tamagun, that means the influences of Anarthas uh, Coming from karma, good and bad karma, that are getting in my way, these are extinguished. So this is a we think oh, this is a high thing. Yes, this is the end of gan practically, but we are speaking about, about how as the as kind of the, the the second beginning of bhakti. From getting in the in the train station on the platform to actually getting on the train, and going there. You got your ticket. You've been admitted. Here's the platform. This is what it looks like when it comes. Recognize it. You should behave like this. You should, this should be your ideal. Aspire for that. So aspiring for that means to try to catch that train mm-hmm. that goes to brain. Baba nirvāpanam. The forest fire is extinguished. Some smoke remaining, but now, oh, some peace. I can see my way through. There's hope. Mm-hmm. It is very encouraging. We want to come to this. This, this like, should be like an interim goal for us. We should know theoretically what the ideal is, interest in that, we can hear about that. We should hear about Krishna's pastimes and so forth. Chant Krishna nam try to remember Krishna lila all these things. We should see that as a result of doing that, I'm coming to this. There should be a focal point for us. Mīśvāna Cakravati talks about two types of Nishta. Nishtha that is directly bhakti and Nishtha in relation to things that are favorable to bhakti. Both these things are found in Mahāprabhu's verse. Tolerance isn't bhakti. Pridelessness is not bhakti. Showing honor to others is not bhakti. Humility may be bhakti, might not be bhakti. But they're favorable to bhakti. Obviously, Mahāprabhu has spoken about them. Kirtaniya sadāhari, that's bhakti. So those things that are favorable to bhakti and those things that are bhakti, two types of nishta. And Mabra was spoken of both of them here. And Bhagavatam tells us, nasta praesu abhadresu. Getting rid of inauspicious things means things that are getting in the way of bhakti means these other qualities are coming. So in the poetry of Bhagavatam we see really mature nishta includes both these things. That which is fixed in, That which is favorable to bhakti and fixed in bhakti. So you might find somebody who's fixed in chanting, but not very humble. And, but this has to come still. In this way, we should pay close attention, as I say, to this verse of Shriman Mahaprabhu. It is the verse that is spoken of more than any other thing that Mahaprabhu said. He spoke to the prayojan Tattva Charja, Raghunathas, krishnadas Goswami said, pay attention, he said, listen! That's what he said, literally, listen up, <laughs> hear this verse. Here's what you do with it. Put it around your neck like a garland and chant Hare Krishna. You'll get premed from this. So in this way, we are encouraged to think about this. This is the idea. Now you're involved. Now you should think about it. What does scripture say? What are the stages? Where am I at? Where is the next stage to go? Use your intelligence. Just proper discrimination. Use your head to soften your heart. Don't don't ignore using your intelligence, thinking these things are too difficult to understand, too many terms and so forth. No. Of course, everybody will not have the same capacity to understand philosophy and so forth. That's all right. Then use your head to serve, serve the person Bhagavatam. Be wise about that. Think, this is how I use my fun money and time for this, serving the mission. In this way, we've heard something about an important verse of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the day of his appearance. If we want Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to appear in our heart fully, we have to get the mercy of Nityananda, but we have to let go, let go of material life. We can do it as a renunciator, we can do it as a householder. If you love one another, and stay together. No problem. Truly, I say, there is no problem. Just conduct your household life with emphasis on constantly chanting the holy name of Krishna. That's all. Make that the center. Then have that camaraderie and go back to Godhead. Get strength from that and go back to Godhead. There's no need to give up family life. But there's a need to give up material life. That's true. So therefore we say grihasta ashram. Make your house like ashram. Make Krishna the center of it. Bhagwat's message the center. Hmm? Service to the Bhagwat person. The center. This is the idea. In this way Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will appear, real appearance. This is the appearance day, so hmm, we should understand what, what his appearance is about. He comes, how? We heard from the call of Advaita. Advaita wanted him. So real desire for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> A fellow wrote to me and said, you know, I don't really have much, I don't really believe in Krishna, but of course I, I love Mahaprabhu. <laughs> <laughs> we have to understand what is Mahaprabhu mm-hmm. Mahaprabhu is Krishna for one <laughs> and secondly he's preoccupied only with Krishna and Krishna Leela I mean nobody thought this far y- yet Krishna's Raj Gosami said in Chaitanya Charitamrita: if you claim to be a devotee of Krishna but you're not a devotee of Mahaprabhu I call you an Asura it's a strong statement but it makes sense. Mahabrabhu is Krishna. And you say you're a devotee of Krishna, but you don't have any faith or respect for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Then what kind of devotee of Krishna are you? You're a false devotee, he says. But nobody ever thought about this far. This is how bad it gets, as Kali Yuga goes on. I believe in Mahaprabhu, but not Krishna. <laughs> but, huh? How is it possible? What kind of nonsense is that? You understand me? That's nonsense. And we're supposed to answer that question? I suppose to was waste my time answering that kind of question. Oh, I love Mahaprabhu, but I don't believe in Krishna. What do you know about Mahaprabhu? What is the love for Mahaprabhu? Mahaprabhu is very kind, very magnanimous. We should understand who he, what he represents, what he stands for. This verse says much to us what he stands for, what the ground he stands on. Become acquainted with that is to become acquainted with Mahaprabhu. We want real acquaintance with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, not just some sentiment. Then we become just some Disturbance to the real devotees. It's just a disturbance. That's just nonsense. It makes no sense. I'm thinking they're very intelligent now. Krishna, yeah, you know, some blue, you know, I don't come on. <laughs> I don't believe in that stuff. But Mahaprabhu, yeah, 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 I like him. Yes, I have faith in him this kind of confusion. No. We should know Mahabharu as he is. Shikshastakam is, is helping us to know him. He will turn into Radha, practically. What is that Radha and Radha-prim? So, any question? Can you talk just a little more about explaining how to work with the mind instead of working against the mind? Well. What I mean by working with the mind rather than, than against the mind is that it, as the mind has certain propensities, proclivity, tendency, and, and so forth, and so there are many ways to in, engage in Krishna consciousness. Someone may like to read more, and may have more difficulty uh, uh, chanting, or someone may like archan, deity worship, and. And and with some other service, so this is in a general way. So you 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 work with the mind in that way, and and certain things you may be attached to, you can't give up. So don't try to give them up artificially; that just cause you your mind to just become more powerful and and uh, and angry and and uh, and so forth, like so many things. You know, I really wanted to live at Al Dari and be and be a monk. But and I really like it when I'm there. But then, then I, when I when I go back to to school, I think, oh, there's so many pretty girls here and <laughs> so many other things, and life is such. You know, wow, there's a lot. And what do I do? <laughs> Better to work with the mind. Hmm? You can have a pretty girl <laughs> or a pretty boy. That may be the case, and still chant Hare Krishna. No problem. That's what I mean by. It working with the mind. Don't work against it. Yes. When the boy is hitting on the tree, the tree, the boy hits on the tree and then knows the tree is not going to respond, and it doesn't. And so the tree is tolerant. That's right. When the man is walking on the grass, the man knows the grass is not going to respond. And so the grass remains humble, and the man walks on it. How then is it that I, as a person, can be as tolerant as a tree or as humble as a blade of grass When the boy continues to act in a way that requires a response mm-hmm. or the man continues to behave in a way that requires a response. Mm-hmm. And it's part of my responsibility to respond to more than just tolerant and humble in those cases. Yes. Um, the answer is that when we speak about these things, we're not speaking about tolerance or humility as something independent of Krishna Bhakti but as that which is favorable to Krishna Bhakti so it's a dynamic idea of humility it's not it's humility but in context in the context of serving Krishna so um, to follow our guru's order that will be humility but to let somebody beat me up, what does that have to do with Krishna Bhakti? <laughs> you understand? So humility in the context of Krishna Bhakti, in the context of serving Krishna. Therefore, Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave a lecture once about being guru. He said, look at me, this big beast sitting on the seat above everybody else. And Mahaprabhu was ordered everyone to be humble, so you may be wondering about this. Mm-hmm. How I'm sitting here on this big seat and... And people are offering me flowers and things and, and praise, and, and I'm just drinking it up, it appears. And the, the Mahabharata was said to be humble. So he gave a nice explanation that, that humble before God. So God wants me to do this. So I don't even want to. I'd rather sit down there. But he gave command to do this. i my order, to be guru. So I have to sit in the chair and hear all these people say things, praise and so forth, and just send it up. So it's a dynamic kind of, it doesn't look like humility. People walk into. the guy's talking about humility, did you hear that talk? He's sitting in the chair, you notice that? Above everybody else. What a hypocrite. (laughs) You can think like this. So no, it's a dynamic idea of humility, not humility with context. Tolerance with context for serving Krishna. We will not tolerate nonsense in the name of Krishna. I'm saying that and speaking about tolerance.